Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Forsake it and do right, but at the same time, we're not God, and nobody is, but God is God, and He loves you with an everlasting love, and He is always there. And the good news is He often will send people to help you, to be there too, and never forget, He's also got myriads of angels. And that's another theology some other time. Let's go back to John 14. So if you just got what I'm saying today, whatever you've got a troubled heart, remember the Lord Himself will never leave you. Now some of you are saying, I don't know if I, I want Him around because my, I'm, I'm so riddled with guilt right now because I have done things wrong. I have violated His Word. I have made wrong choices. I've hung with the wrong crowds. And I'm living a life of tragedy and brokenness and my heart is all troubled over this and so now you just wish God would leave you alone and yes that's true scripture says that sin will separate us from God that is a true statement but I also want you to know that God doesn't want that sin to separate us so he says I will forgive you I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness I will re allow or re-permit or re-prescribe intimacy again. So instead of running from the Lord, you run to the Lord on your knees with a broken heart and saying, Lord, I blew it again. I've sinned. This is what I've done. I'm coming with a heart to tell you that with your power and strength, I want you to live your life out through me, that I don't want to do this again. You might say, I do that over and over again. Yeah, keep on going back to the Lord. Now, don't use it as a blank check. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. But at the same time, I want you to know that God's mercies and grace is larger than our sin. You go back to Him again. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So your heart can be settled now that you can face... Watch this, watch this. It's going to hurt now. So you can face going through the consequences of the wrong choices, but this time without a troubled heart. If you've done something illegal and you've got to go to jail and your heart is all troubled because you're afraid of going to jail or prison or whatever... I know that it's there. I know that sphere is there. So instead of fighting it, just give it back to the Lord. And now go through whatever process the Lord allows you to go through. But no, you'll never go through this thing alone. And there's still future and a hope for you. All right, enough said about that. Let's go to the next point. In this passage, I believe it's implying here that no matter what you go through, you will live. You won't die. Now, physically you might die, but you really won't. Look, if you will, at verse 19. He says, after a little while... implying the fact that I'll be here for a short time and then I'm going to resurrect while the world will no longer see me and that's an interesting phrase while the world will no longer see me I got thinking what does that mean while the world will no longer see me but you disciples will see me now pause for a moment I got putting this all together in a timeline so I did this study and here's my conclusion to this point I believe that, I, that when Jesus came back to life again after the resurrection, okay, he revealed himself, you know, to a group of people. It said over 500, and it chose the word brethren in the passage of 1 Corinthians 15. So it is highly likely, based on the fact that there is no reference of him showing himself alive after his resurrection to any non-believer, that it's probable that that's why this passage says that the world will not see me, but you will see me. So he's not choosing to reveal himself anymore to the world. He's already said all that he needed to say. There's enough Old Testament prophecy. He's fulfilling it all. And really he's going to work out his, watch this now, program and plan through his disciples and the next generation leaders. 
And so he says, they won't see me, but you will. Maybe a side understanding of that would be, even if they did see him, watch this, watch this, look up here. They'll see him, but not see him. You know what I mean by that? You know what I mean by that? Have you ever seen somebody, but not seen somebody? Well, they couldn't see him because they didn't recognize him any longer. They already thought he was dead. They were, you know, I'm talking about the rest of the people. They might have heard rumors, but he's gone. I don't think so. I just think he didn't reveal himself. Why am I telling you all of that? That sometimes when you go through a troubled time, you're going to feel like you're, you're going to die. The rest of the verse says, because I live, you will also live. Now, for those guys, they kind of heard that. That's a little bit of review material to them. Now, they weren't so smart that they were able to take all the Old Testament prophecies about what Christ, the Messiah would do on the cross and all of that that are found in the Old Testament. Maybe some did. There's no record of them knowing that. But what he's really doing is one more time hammering that nail in. I'm going to go. I'm going to live. Kind of saying, you're going to think I'm dead, but I'm not. I'm coming back. And if I live, that's going to let you know that you're going to live. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. While he's teaching them, we're going to call it elementary truths. When you get further in the New Testament, what you find is now he's going to give you high school truths. And the high school truths is this. You will live because I live. Now, how does that happen? When I trust Christ as my Savior, the resurrection gives me eternal life when I trust in Christ. So that means I will live, 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 live. Now, watch this. In my Christian life now, I can live by what is known as the resurrection life. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will not only raise me from the dead so I have eternal life, but I now have that same resurrection power within me that I can live my life with His power no matter what I go through. So I will live because He lives. And that's the joy that we have. So no matter what you're going through, it's not just that the Lord stands by passively. It's not just so you have a feel-good moment of intimacy. I want you to know it is really His power that works through you to succeed in whatever you're going through in a way that will comfort your broken heart. Now, that is theological knowledge, but now we appropriate it by active faith. And that might be college truth. That's going to be some of you that are willing to graduate from high school of just knowing something to now doing something with that truth. So he says, we will live, and, and you're very, 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 very much alive. Let's go to the next truth. This one is, you will be with God. It's almost elementary, but follow along if you will. Look in verse 20. He says, in that day, you will know. Okay, what day is that? You will know that I'm my father, in my Father, and you're in me, and I in you. What day is that? It is my belief that they knew that when the Holy Spirit was finally given. Now, for those of you that haven't been with us, let me encourage you to do something. Let me encourage you to go back to the notes that I gave you at the beginning of 2000, or 2013. If you will do that, because I went over the whole spirit coming into the church and that whole teaching about how that it just enlivened every, it kind of like put the seal of, of the deal of the whole thing about Christ when the resurrection occurred and then the ascension and then the spirit coming. I'm saying all that to say this. This is such challenging truth that I don't know that even in my own finite human way I can fully adequately explain this, watch this, mystical union. Even the mystical union between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I, I, I can do the best shot that I can, and maybe next year I'll even do better, but I don't think I'll ever be able to exhaust that to fully explain it. And now I talk about how that you and me and him and all that are all together because Jesus is in Christ, I'm in Christ, he's in me. So 
I had one of our ladies here, and I, I don't want to ever embarrass them. I didn't get permission to say this, but I asked her to maybe do a little illustration here. So she helped me with some of this. All right. <clears throat> We're going to let my Bible for a moment represent God. You're going to listen to the whole thing because I'm going to change this. It's going to represent God. We're going to let this little white figure right here. It's only white, not because of an ethnic background, but because it's going to represent Christ for a moment. So now we have Christ in God. Obviously, they're already in it. They're just inexplainably connected. It's like gelled together, but it's still in there. So he wants us to know. So he's trying to explain something that is spiritual, mystical. I don't want to say mystical, but, but spiritual to a physical-minded person. So he's saying, in God. Now, for a moment... This is going to represent you and me. Because we've been out in the sun, this is a suntan you and me for a minute, all right? This is going to represent Christ, all right? This little figure here is going to represent you and me. In order to go to heaven, we have to be in Christ. The world says in order to get to heaven, you've got to kind of clean up us, live a good life, stop sinning, do religious good deeds, put a lot of stuff into this thing, and then you can make it to heaven. The Bible says, no, we come just as we are, a sinner. We place our faith alone in Christ alone. And when we trust in Christ, we are in Christ, Philippians 3, 9. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians, we've been accepted. Watch this now. Can you see? I've been accepted into the beloved one. So now Christ is in God. I am in Christ. We have all this thing going on. And then the Lord, he spits this back to us. And he says, okay, with all that going on, he says, this is going to represent you and me. I don't know if you can see this. You like that drawing? looks like a gingerbread person. Now, I'm going to try to put this Bible into me because it also says, but he's also in us. Now, I I can't make a lot of sense over that. How many of you have ever put up Christmas tree lights somewhere? Anybody put up Christmas tree lights? Would you raise your hand? How many of you, when you finally get it out of the box, all the lights are tangled with one another? I mean, probably I'm the only one. You probably have all yours organized and hanging, but mine is like this. Now, when I look at it, I don't know, does this string, is it connected to this or is it into this and it's all kind of connected together? So all I want you to know is when you trust Christ as Savior, this is what happens on a spiritual level. We are in Christ. Christ is in God. Christ is in us now. This is whole thing going on. And I said all that to say this when you go through troubles. When we are so vitally connected to the Holy Spirit like this, that means that our identity is in Christ and who He is and all that he has for us, and his lifestyle for us. Everything is all about him and not us. So now, if your world crashes, your career is ended, something happens in your life, if you have all of your identity in your marriage, or in how your kids are acting, or in your career, or maybe in your macho health, or whatever it is, whatever your identity is in, when the Lord allows that to be shaken, he's doing that, so that we would then realize that our identity is not in these things. It'll only be in Christ. Now, it's good. We have a reputation. We should try to protect it, do all things honest besides all people. But at the same time, there are times that no matter how good you do or what you say, what you do, people are going to take what you say out of context. They're going to read into what you're doing. They're going to judge you ahead of time. They're going to destroy your reputation around other people. They're going to lose confidence in you and your influence. And all of a sudden, it's all shattered. So if your whole world is in your reputation, let me just remind you, Jesus said he made himself of no reputation, generally speaking, to do one thing, fulfill the purpose of the Father. 
And so for you, whatever you have your identity in, you've got to kind of hold it loosely because your identity is really wrapped up in who you are as a Christian. Not just academic positional truth. The positional truth gives you the confidence to do the practical truth, which means now live it. Show the world that you're not absent from things that will cause a troubled heart. Now just go out and live victoriously in His power because of these truths for Him. That, I think, could bring you great comfort. Another moment or two. The next part would be that Jesus says, I will love you. I've hammered this a lot, so I don't really need to hammer this. So just go to the passage. I'll knock down a few thoughts, and then we'll move to the next point. Get last week's message, because I spent most of my time talking about the fact of how much God loves us. But go back to the passage here. In verse... uh, 21, it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. I really like that. You don't keep the commandments to love the Lord. You love the Lord and therefore you'll keep His commandments. Get the train right. They're both together. They're both connected, but it's the engine. The engine is, I love the Lord, therefore I will. And it says, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Underline that phrase. I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So Judas comes along, not Judas Iscariot. Judas is also known as Thaddeus, says to the Lord, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? So Judas still has some fuzzy thinking because he thinks if you're going to reveal yourself to us, but aren't you going to be the king? And if you're going to be the king of kings and you're going to be the Messiah and all this jazz, how are you going to reveal yourself to us but not to the rest of the gang? And the Lord is now saying, wait a second, between the lines. I'm not setting myself up as king. What I am doing right now is going to the cross, watch this, to pay for the sins of the world so you can have a forever relationship with me first, so you can be a part of my family. You can be a part of me. All right, now saying all that, now that we're all a part of him, no matter what we go through, again, it's all about him. It's not about what he will do future for us right now, but it's all about him in our life right now. And now it boils down to this. Here it is, here it is. Do you love him? You know, you could know the truths that we're so connected like we've been teaching, so connected to the Lord. You know these things. But now if you really know them, the very first step we do is that we love Him because doing this for us, it says, I love you. So it's kind of like a mutual love affair. I love you, you love me, and we show it now by the commandments that we live, that we obey, that we're doing for Him. And so I pray that our life would be filled with doing those very things that the Lord would have us do how much he loves us. You know, um, when you're in the pastorate, I guess almost anything, when you find that people don't like you or they dish you or whatever, you can take that any way you want. And I'm not saying it because I know people does that with me. I'm doing it because reality ranches. Anytime you set yourself up, you're an easier target for people. Every time you're in a position to make decisions that affect people's lives, you'll always have people that won't like that. Okay, it hurts me because I, I want people to like me for this very reason. If they like me, they're more inclined to listen to what I have to say. If they don't like me, then they're going to be talking behind my back. They're going to be writing notes. They're going to be texting. They're going to be doing all of this stuff just to endure what I'm doing because they want people to think they're here in church to connect to everybody. That's your right. But I want to have an influence in your life. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. While that might hurt me, it won't devastate me. If my wife came to me today and said, I'm through with you. I'm out of this relationship And by the way, I've had an X amount of years of a relationship with someone else. I I, I would be devastated. Now, some people might interpret that as, yeah, you invested a lot of money into that woman. 
nah, it's not about the money. It's about we knew each other. We were so close. I said that to say this now. The people who you desire and need the love from, if that ends for whatever reason, it devastates you. It could be that that person would die or have a, an injury that would mentally incapacitate them from being intimate with you. I don't mean sexually, but intimate. And you're devastated. Now, I praise God. I've got a wonderful wife, and I've never had heard those words from her or any other past wives. I haven't had any. But some of you have, and you know the pain that I'm talking about. In fact, some of you are just nauseous by, by me bringing that up, and I'm so sorry. But I want to bring you now the antidote to that nauseous feeling that you have. Again, in this context is, the Lord says, I will love you, and I will reveal myself, disclose myself to you. So I want you to know the most important being in all of eternity, in all of the world, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he says, I love you. And I'll reveal myself to you in the word, but I'll disclose myself to you. And I will never leave you. So whatever you're going through, so if it's a relational breakup, he's right there with you. Let's take a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes and just reflect on the Lord. We, we, we had a pretty full meal here today. And when I leave from preaching this morning, I'll probably sleep pretty good this afternoon because I've delivered you unto the Lord and the Holy Spirit to continue that which we begun here today and to bring like a laser beam into your heart and spirit these truths. And my prayer is that Satan would not steal the seed that was planted today and that it did not fall upon a stony heart but a good heart because I know these truths are the only solution to our problems. They're the only one. This is it. There's nothing else out there. Get rid of your books. Don't, don't bother going to Amazon. You, there's nothing more. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God and these truths that will help you. Now, for some of you, it's going to be a big, big, big bite of the apple. So let me tell you, if you're looking at this apple and you say, where do I begin? I would say your first bite will be through Jesus Christ and take it all the way back to the beginning of the chapter. You believed in God, believe in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto God, the Father, but through me. So what do you do with Christ? Well, you have to recognize that he is the Lord, that he is God. You have to believe that he went to a cross and when he died there, this is important, he died and he paid for all the things you've ever done wrong 2,000 years ago. And he did it because he loved you and a whole lot more than that. You have to believe that your good works as good as they are and it is good to be good and be better than we were yesterday, but none of those good deeds will ever get us into heaven. So you've got to come to him just as you are. And the greatest thing you can come to him with is humility. And to say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm desperately in need of a Savior. And I believe that you are the only Savior because you're God. And when you simply place your faith in him and you leave everything else behind, he then comes to you and says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. You are born again into his forever family. And it's to you, he says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. It is to you, he says, I am your comforter. It is to you, he says, you will be delivered out of this sin-sick world. You might go out painfully, 
but you will go out into eternity of joy and bliss forever with me. But you've got to go through Christ in Christ alone. So would you simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I don't deserve heaven or my eternal relationship with you, but I'm coming to you for the forgiveness of my sin. On the authority of what you said in Scripture, you said you'd forgive me and give me eternal life. I believe you, Lord. I'm believing you. And right now I'm trusting in you so I could have eternal life. Now, my friend, that's done right where you're seated. You don't have to walk an aisle, stand up, raise your hand, fill out a card, jump up and down. There's nothing you need to do except believe in your heart. And that just means sincerely between you and the Lord, inwardly to Him. All that outward stuff is good to do after you know Christ as Savior. Not to stay saved, but because you are. But right now, it's between you and Him. Yes, I would like to pray for you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But you need to hear this. Raising your hand and me praying for you will never get you into heaven. What you're doing by that is telling me that you're already heaven bound because today you trusted Christ and you're just letting me know that you called upon the Lord to be your Savior today. You believed in Him. Now, you don't even have to let me know. I, I just like to pray for you. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor and I care for people genuinely and I want to a little rejoice with you. I won't embarrass you. It's on you to make it public, not me. And so is there anyone here today that in your own heart of hearts, you've called upon the Lord to be your Savior. And today's the day. And perhaps you'd like me to know about it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and without saying a word, would you just slip up your hand and put it down right where you're seated? Is it today the day you're trusting Christ? Would you put up your hand? Put it up, put it down. That's all. Done and over with. All right. Christians, how many of you are going through some deep water right now? And this message impacted you because of the voluminous amount of Scripture that you were given. And it really connected you to the Lord. And you'd like to have prayer. Now, I won't be with you through all the things you go through. I'll be as close as I can on your journey, but I won't be intimate with you on your journey. The Lord will be. But you'd like me to know about it so that as I think about you, you're on my heart. I could pray for you, and I'd like to pray for you today. Is there anyone today that says, Pastor, would you pray for me? That message really impacted me. And I'd like you to pray for me as I engage these truths with my troubled heart so that it would be comforted. Now, without saying a word, no one looking around, would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here today that would do that? God bless you and you and you and you and you. I love you, folks. And I care for you. And those of you that didn't raise your hand, that's okay. That doesn't mean anything to me other than you want to be real private about it. And I'll pray for you as I hear things and as I know, because I care for you. But no one cares for you more than the Lord. While I'm praying, prepare your own heart, because we're going to have our time of communion. And remember when Jesus did what we're going to do now, it was at the same time in history that he was teaching the truths that you heard just now. So we are right up close and personal to it. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for God the Father, benevolent Father. I thank you that, Father, that you will never leave us as an orphanage, that you will always be with us. I thank you that, Father, that... Whatever we go through in this life, it's passed through you first. You knew about it. You prescribed it, permitted it. 
And that, Father, this is driving us to you. And when we are just up close in your bosom, that, Father, we can feel that love. We can experience it at least intellectually that you're there. And we thank you for that. Now, Lord, help us to live out this life by allowing you to live it out through us through that resurrected life. And Father, take these truths that we've learned today and open this beautiful rosebud of truth into a beautiful rose so we could not only admire it, but that, Father, we'd be transformed by it. Now, Father, I pray that our hearts are clear and clean as we partake of this communion, that there is no unconfessed sin, there's no broken relationships that we haven't tried to repair. And, Father, that we remember your death until you come again so that we are truly communing with you, not just taking the Lord's Supper. We do this because we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.